Sunday Golds is back for another episode. Florida State baseball continues its 2022 season. I'm Mario Masudi and Brett Nevitt sitting right across from me. Uh, excited to be able to do this podcast for you each and every week. We're on Apple Pods, we're on Spotify, on on Google Pods, and, and anywhere else that you like to get your podcast. We would appreciate if you could review our pod, if you could give us five stars, if you have Apple, and just please share it with your friends and your family. Uh, I know you guys, uh, as you're driving to the games, driving home from games, um, to Tallahassee, leaving Tallahassee and on your way to work, or just sitting at home and want something to listen to, we would love to be that podcast uh, if you love Florida State baseball. And right now, the Knowles 16-8. and eight. It's been a pretty good 2022 season. And Brett, you know, Duke comes in, uh, and you win two out of three there, and I think you got to be happy with the result overall. Yeah, overall, I think it was a, a good series. Um, you know, disappointing to play poorly, and uh, in in when you have a chance to sweep. But I think, you know, Sunday just wasn't their day, and things kind of got away from them with some unlucky cir- circumstances early in the game. Um, but, you know, I think Duke is a team that end of the year, you know, some of their young guys ran into form, and um, I still really think for sure that was the best pitching staff that FSU has faced so far this year. Um, so overall, I think good to come out with a, with, with a series win, six straight series wins to start the year. Um, you know, I think that's really all you can ask for. On this podcast, uh, everyone, we're going to chat about the Duke series a little bit. And then we'll also uh, try and preview the Notre Dame series uh, in between there. Florida State and Florida matched up in Jacksonville. The Gators won that one, six to three, round one of three games that will be spread out up until May 17th. Um, and so that's what we've got on the docket, and you can expect here. Uh, if you've got questions for us, please email us. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Tweet at us into the DMs. And we'll try and get to your questions on the next episode. And uh, Florida State right now, 16-8 and eight on the season, 6-3 and three in the ACC. The RPI is looking pretty good. Strength of schedule is fantastic. It's one of the best in the country. And, Brett, when we looked at Duke, uh, this was a team that we thought was going to hit its stride eventually. It has a lot of guys, uh, I think, that are, are very talented. And it was a team that, as you said, really good pitchers. They come in with Marcus Johnson. Uh, they come in with Luke Fox, Billy Seidel, three really good arms. And I thought Florida State, for the most part, swung the bats well this weekend. Yeah, um, obviously first two games better results than the last one. Um, but even in the last one, I felt like, you know, especially from like the third to fifth or sixth, I think it was, there was just a lot of hard hit balls right at guys. Um, you know, I remember Colton had one, you know, line drive to right center field that was caught, um, a couple other ones like that. Uh, but, you know, against Johnson putting up, you know, I think the one thing that Marcus Johnson struggled with so far this year is is a home run ball, and FSU did get to him with the home run ball. Um, so it was good to see them take advantage of some balls up in the zone. Um, you know, I think Tibbs and um, Jackson Green also both had two run homers. Uh, so good to see that. I think that was Jackson's first career homer at Dick Hauser. Um, only four runs in the night, but, you know, overall I thought they put together good at-bats against a, a good arm. Um, and, you know, coming out with a 4-0 win, um, obviously I think we'll talk about Parker, but you get that from him and, you know, your offense just does enough and, um, you know, that gets you a Friday night W. Uh, I thought Florida State did a really good job attacking fastballs against Luke Fox on Saturday. Uh, you know, I think especially um, some of the guys in the the middle of the order with, you know, I think Alex was three for two with, with a couple RBIs and, and Jaime also two for four with, with a home run of his own. Um, so good to see those guys, um, you know, especially Jaime, 
opposite field home run to see him show that power. He did that too on, on Sunday. Um, really good to see the power starting to come through for him um, in the home run column. You know, I think he also leads FSU in doubles. Um, so just really good to see that from him so far. Yeah, you know, I, I thought, again, Reese Albert had a nice weekend overall swinging the stick, three hits in that Friday night game. And I don't think a lot of people thought coming into the year that Reese would be your leadoff guy and hitting, you know, nearly 400 on the season. Um, a credit to him, I think. Uh, a credit to his mindset. And, you know, I chatted with him this weekend. I was able to call some of the games, so I went down there. And, uh, I mean, he's having a good time. And I think that's that can't be understated. He's free in the mind right now, and he's enjoying being with his brothers and, and playing college baseball. And you got a guy who leads off, and um, he's got some pop in his bat. I know this year it hasn't been there 100% um, with, with the new swing, but um, he's also got a good eye at the plate, in my opinion, and I think he, he sees the ball well the other way. So he's really settling in as a, a really good leadoff hitter for you, especially when you're facing a right-handed pitcher. Uh, Alex Terrell continues to mash, and Brett, you know, I, I remember in the preseason you and I were chatting, and I can't remember if you said it on the record, um, but you said if you got double-digit home runs from Alex Terrell and he hit 275 for you, you got to consider that a win uh, in terms of um, what you got out of the transfer from Miami. So I'm very pleased there. Um, uh, Jaime Ferrer, what can you say? I mean, he continues to show that advanced approach at the plate. And, you know, I was talking to Terrell this weekend, and Alex said uh, he comes in and, and he has such a mature ability uh, and approach to that plate, and he's so strong. And, and uh, I think he's impressed a lot of the older guys as well with the way that he steps up. But, um, the future is really bright with Jaime Ferrer. I think at this point, it's not a fluke. It's not a kid who just got hot. Uh, I know some people were wondering, well, is he going to come back down to earth? I mean, yeah, I'm sure the average will eventually drop a few more points, but I think Jaime Ferrer is a kid, Brett, who's going to hit 300 his entire career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he just sprays line drives all over the field, and um, you know he has some swing and miss in his game, but he also does a good job of – uh, you know, seeing what the pitcher's given him and, and kind of taking what the pitcher gives him, uses the opposite field a lot, uses the whole field, you know, both home runs this weekend go over the right field fence. Um, you know, with Alex, I thought he seemed a lot more on time this weekend with the fastball. Um, and when he's on time with the fastball, um, you know, balls will be leaving the yard. Uh, I think who else? Uh, Reese, who you talked about, I think it's just, you know, that cut down swing and, and the willingness to use the opposite field a lot. It feels like like 75% of his, his hits are going to the opposite field. And, um, you know, I think it was this weekend where he almost did leave the yard. Um, I think he had a double off the top of the right field fence. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, he'll get a home run or two, I think, at some point. Uh, but, you know, as a leadoff hitter, I think Reese has given you what you need right now with, without Tyler in the lineup. Uh, and I also thought it was good to see B-Rob um, leave the yard once, especially to the opposite field. You know, had been in, in a real slump and, um, not a ton of hits this past weekend, but I thought he had a hard, a lot of hard hit balls right at guys, and um, just good to see him kind of get back in a groove um, after they made a little bit of a, a change with his hands and his grip. I like what you said about B Rob because I thought, and we'll, we'll save the Florida game for its own breakdown here in a couple minutes. Uh, the way I want to do this for the sake of time is for us to mash all three Duke games together offensively and then on the mound, um, and then we can talk some defense too, um, and then talk about Florida on its own, but. Uh, B-Rob, I thought, got rewarded in the Florida game for the approach that he's started to, to make the adjustment to the last couple games. And like you said, over the weekend, uh, I thought 
he was making contact. I thought the team as a whole over the weekend did a nice job of not striking out too much. And I think we're starting to see them make more consistent contact. And I know that I say that because fans have been frustrated uh, a little bit with the strikeouts and um, good to see Roberts figure things out there. Let me ask you this though. Um, Logan Lacey has been used at third base a couple times this week. Is that something you see permanently changing or do you think it'll kind of be by matchup? They'll move Logan from center to third and back and forth and like that. Yeah. So I think it will depend on the pitcher mostly. Um, you know, if you've got a guy that, that induces a lot of ground balls, I think Logan's going to play third cause he's your best third baseman. Uh, if you have a pitcher that induces a lot of fly balls, say like Bryce Hubbard, um, you know, I think he's going to be on third and center field cause he covers the most ground. Uh, I think we saw it last night without him in the outfield. Um, you know, a few balls that went out there, you know, it felt like there was a lot of, 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 of open grass with, with the combination of outfield out, outfielders out there just based on speed alone. Um, and, you know, that's a really big park. So I think last night that kind of exposed it more than in a usual college baseball field would. Um, but overall, I just think it's going to depend on the pitcher. Uh, and wherever Logan is, I think you're going to get solid defense. I mean, last night I thought he played really well at third base. Um, so, I mean, that's a weapon to have, and I think it's a good, good thing, and it makes you more versatile. Uh, can we talk a little bit about James Tibbs, too? The home run he hit Friday was, uh, I mean, it was a nuke. And he continues to show you uh, really good ability w- with that bat. I think, you know, as he he's not as much of a contact hitter as Jaime is. I, I think Jaime obviously has better barrel skills in terms of uh, being able to square things up. But Tibbs' raw ability, the raw tools, uh, you you don't hit a ball 420 and you're 19 years old unless there's something serious there to work with. And then he had a couple more hits against the Gators. Are we starting to see James Tibbs kind of get into a flow here midseason? Yeah, I mean, he's hitting 320 and, you know, I think, you know, OPS well over 1,000. Um, that's pretty good for a freshman. Uh, you know, the home run to center just shows his, you know, it's just real easy pop. It's loose and easy. I mean, he just, you know, lot lots of loft in that swing. I mean, that ball was like – I mean, it was way up there in the air, and it just kept carrying, and that's what he does, really. Um, you know, every day in BP, he puts balls off the scoreboard the opposite way with ease. Uh, you know, I think this is what we expected with James coming into the season. I think he's going to be a double-digit home run guy every year he's here, um, you know, while also giving you, you know, a, a hitter with for good average, too. Um, you know, James is going to have his strike counts because, you know, I mean, he has a big swing, and he plays, he swings for damage, and that's a good thing. Um, and like I've always said, you know, you're going to trade strikeouts for power, I think, um, in this day of age. Uh, and, you know, James isn't striking out at like a 50% rate like Elijah Cabell or, Cabell or something. Um, so, you know, overall, just a really good start to the season so far for the freshman. Other guys that stood out to you in the lineup before we um, move over to the mound? Yeah, I thought Colton Vincent had a really good weekend as well, um, both behind the plate and at the plate. Uh, you know, he started all three games this weekend, the way he's hitting – um, and the way he's playing defense, you know, it was tough for them to get Brock in the lineup this this weekend because just how they're trying to use the defense with, you know, Logan playing third a little bit and then Brett moves to DH and, you know, Tips was DH in a couple games. Um, and, you know, I, I think they do need to just find ways to get um, Brock at bats. But, you know, I think it's it's a good problem to have where, you know, you have so many guys you feel like you can play and you're versatile enough where – you know, it's hard to get a bat that's even that hot into the lineup. Um, and to have him off the bench is a luxury. Um, but I would like to see Brock get, get a couple more at-bats going here. Um, overall, this weekend, I thought, 
I thought it it was okay offensively. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was bad. Um, I thought there were a lot more hits out there with the swings they had. I thought um, overall it was just competitive at bats all weekend. Um, you know, obviously not the production. I think only averaging about four runs a game. Um, but overall, I think the swings are there, and uh, the production will come against against teams with lesser pitching staffs. Yeah, so Florida State at the plate now hitting 284 on the year. It's a, it's a pretty good mark uh, for this lineup on base percentage, uh, 382. I think, you know, you'd like that to be a little bit higher if you can get it there, but that's certainly not a bad number. Um, and Florida State, uh, extra base hits are there too. I think that's been impressive for me. 60 extra base hits, at least 60 doubles, a couple triples, and uh, the number of home runs has gone up uh, a tad bit too. I think the pace at one point was was going to be a uh, very low home run total season, and then Alex Terrell is definitely helping you uh, in that mark. And I mean, you have four starters with five-plus homers, and then you know also another guy off the bench with four homers. Um, so... There's definitely enough power for this team yeah. to to make a, a sudden impact. Um, you know, there are a couple guys in this lineup that really don't have any power, um, but you can live with that when they play good defense. For sure. And then they, I think they hit, what is it, three in game two against Duke? So that really helped them. That tied a season high. And so. Yeah, and uh, I think the Florida game snapped it, but I think Sunday, Jaime's home run made it 12 straight games of the homer. Um, so, you know, they're getting consistent pop, and I think that was the longest streak since 2009 and maybe the fourth longest overall. Yeah, and I think that was just something we coming into the year uh, had put a question mark on. How how much pop would there be? Where would it come from? Uh, and I think we're getting some answers there that this is going to be a, a team that does hit for some power um, as opposed to no power at all. All right, let's talk about the mound. Uh, Parker Messick, take a bow. Friday, he had said before the matchup that he felt like he was about to hit a run. He felt like he was going to be back. And uh, I know TJ Messick, his dad, was really excited about the way he pitched uh, because Parker Messick was ACC Pitcher of the Week and was very close to being a National Pitcher of the Week again. And 14 strikeouts, Brett. Uh, Parker continues to show that I think he is ready for the next level of pitching. Against college hitters, he is just too advanced of a pitcher uh, for anyone to have prolonged success against him. But I continue to just be amazed by the way he crafts and, and carves people up. Yeah, so I think last week on the pod, we kind of talked about Parker a little bit. You know, and I think I said that it felt like there was about to be a tear coming on from Parker. Um, and I think the first three innings on, on Friday, it felt like he was kind of battling himself. It felt like he was kind of nibbling around the strike zone and, um, you know, didn't give him any runs, but he just didn't seem sharp. Um, from fourth inning to seventh inning might have been the best Parker's ever been. Um, you know, probably the best he's been this season. Um, he was just dominant in full attack mode. Um, you know, he said after the game, he just stopped thinking about his mechanics and he just threw. Um, and he, it was just, it was dominant. It was fun to watch. Um, I think this is setting up Parker for that run that we kind of thought he might go on. Um, you know, when Parker is just attacking the zone, you know, with all four pitches, hitters just don't have a chance, really. College hitters just don't have a chance. Um, when you've got to think about all the things that Parker brings at you and then you combine combine that with his competitiveness and the energy he's throwing at you, um, you know, Parker Messick's always going to have the upper hand on you um, when he's throwing like that. Uh, 14Ks were, were his career high. Um, and like you said, he wins the ACC Pitcher of the Week for the second time this year and um, third time of his career. Uh, bullpen wise, 
Uh, Jonas Scalaro, shout out, did really well to close that thing down. Um, four nothing is certainly not um, a big advantage, right? That's not a big cushion, um, and, and that's not a lot of insurance. So Jonah comes in, two innings, shout out baseball, two strikeouts, and, and he continues to do a good job here um, in his senior season in Tallahassee. Uh, let's go to Bryce Hubbard, who I thought, you know, didn't have his best stuff perhaps, but I thought he really battled. And to me, I saw the maturation of, of Bryce Hubbard from last year to this year, where it's when you're not striking people out the maturity level to be able to say, okay, well, they're making more contact, contact than I'm accustomed to giving up. I'm going to battle and in key spots, make the right pitches. And at the end of the day, Brett, seven innings, two earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts on 88 pitches. I, I mean, I fail to see how that's anything other than a quality start. Yeah, to me, I actually thought that this outing showed how good Bryce is compared to one where he's just dominating everyone with fastballs. Um, I mean, this is probably the worst Bryce's stuff has looked in a long time, maybe since the Duke game last year and he still gave you seven innings and only gave up two runs i mean really didn't have his breaking stuff at all for like the first five innings um so he's basically just going with fastball and and duke had a game plan to attack his fastball it seemed um but he just kept battling they'd seen him before in an acc tournament there was some familiarity and but they just kept he just kept battling and you know making pitches when it mattered and i mean you could tell that bryce was i mean pissed off himself i think he I think it was like the sixth inning he finally broke off like a really good slider to strike someone out and he kind of like slapped himself in the leg and, and let out a big yell because I think he had been searching for that pitch the whole game and he just wasn't happy the way with the with the way he was throwing it. But I mean he just just battles. I mean, seven innings, only eighty eight pitches. Um, you're gonna take that every time you can get it. Um, you know, it gives up eight hits and only strikes out four, but only walks one. Um, stranded a lot of guys on base. Uh, it's just really good to see, like you said, watch from battle and get th- get in and out of stuff. Um, you know, I think this is an outing that will do him good when, when we come around to later in the season. I just think early in his career, Bryce would have allowed some of these hits to affect him uh, in a way that could have spiraled. And I know he gave up. Did he give up two home runs to the same kid? Or was yeah. it the Stone kid, who yeah. I have no idea where he came from? He was hitting 125. Well, the thing about the thing about Saturday was like everything to right field had a chance to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone's first home run looked like it was going to be like a 250 foot like pop out and it just keeps going definitely got his second one but I mean that first one yeah there were a couple balls on, on, on Saturday that the wind just completely took and just sent it over there all right, so Davis here comes in, shuts things down, uh, two innings of shutout baseball. So Jonah and Davis, they do their jobs on Friday and Saturday and you win the series. Uh, by the way, Florida State has yet to lose a series uh, this year. So give them credit where credit is due. Uh, four nothing, seven to two. And then, all right, Sunday, I texted you that, you know, I was really frustrated. Um, you know, I was calling that game and, you know, you do your job professionally, but when you leave, uh, I just felt like that was an opportunity to kind of put your foot on, on a wounded opponent's neck, if that makes sense. I didn't think this team did that. Um, I don't think it's an indictment or says anything about this team's ability going forward. I just felt like on a weekend where, you know, you're playing really good baseball in in this stretch and you've got a Duke team who, you know, I've talked, I was talking to their program all weekend and and preparing and they were really at a loss for words on what was going on with, with their team. It's a preseason top 25 team. Guys are telling me things like all it takes is one hit. All it takes is one game. And then those things are true, but I think it also shows a level of, 
concern from their coaching staff and players on why things aren't going their way the way that they thought it would. So I thought Florida State had a chance uh, to really sweep this series, and um, I was disappointed overall, Brett. 11-2 to on a Sunday. Uh, the bats came out, and they had some chances early, I think, to kind of shake Billy Seidel. Uh, first and second inning, and I think, what, the Knolls got two on in each of the first two innings and couldn't cash in on that. And then Duke got hot on Ross, who I think that's more the story of the day is um, what happened to Ross Dunn? I, I was really completely shocked. Yeah, so uh, I thought there was something off with Ross, basically from his first pitch of the game. Um, his velo was kind of lower than I've ever seen before and about four miles per hour down, five miles per hour down um, with everything for the first few hitters. Um, you know, walked the first hitter on four pitches. Um, you know, did bounce back a little bit and only gave up one run that inning. Um, but, you know, Jimmy makes a – Jimmy Bellinger makes a, a mound visit, I think, with two outs in the first. And then after that, Ross's stuff was back up to normal speeds. Um, so I think Ross was just struggling with something with his mechanics. Um, I think his legs were slowed down. There was something going on with something there where, to me, if he just gets his mechanics right, it's not a long-term worry for me. Um, I still know what Ross can do. I still know what he can throw. Um, you know, defense didn't help him out much. He gave up a couple hard hits. Um, it seemed like Duke really had a really good game plan for him and were just on everything he was throwing. Um, and then he didn't get much help from the defense, like I said. Um, you know, they started bunting him to death, like like NC State bunted um, Hub to death on uh, last weekend. Uh, so you know, I don't I don't have a, a long term concern with Ross. I think I, I felt like there was a clunker due with this pitching staff. Um, you, you know, we got to remember this is only Ross's sixth career start still, and you know he's still a sophomore. Um, outings like this are going to happen. I think that was the first time in 16 games that an FSU starter didn't go five innings. So that you know, I mean that's that says a lot in itself about this pitching staff and what it is. Um, so you know, one bad start's not going to cause me to panic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's been so good. I think there was talk of you know he's the best of the three at times, and you know that could still be the case as the season goes along. But certainly on this Sunday, it was not uh, Ross Dunn's moment, and so he'll have another shot next weekend against Notre Dame. But bullpen wise. Uh, Jackson Baumeister, good to see him come in, and I thought he threw pretty well uh, overall. Connor Whitaker continues to impress in his first season in Tallahassee. Got to give a shout-out to Dylan Simmons, who I thought you know came in in an inning and um, looked the part, struck out a couple batters, didn't you know clean inning. And I know there's a couple guys that, that you're really excited about, one being uh, Dylan Jacobs, who, I, man, he really does show some some special stuff. Yeah, so I thought there were still some real positives that came out of this game. Um well, like I talked about earlier, Jaime had another home run. Um, you know, all the positives for me were from freshmen um, and also J- Dylan Simmons to go along with that because it was good to see him just bounce back and have a good clean outing. I think he really needed that. Um, but, yeah, one, I thought Jackson Bowmeister looks really good. Um, you know, I, I was kind of upset with how soon they took him out. Um, I felt like that move kind of took FC out of the game and kind of waved the white flag and said, hey, we're looking forward to Tuesday, um, which I don't love, but I can understand it. Um, So I see both sides of that. But um, I thought Jackson was throwing the ball really well. I thought it looked like he found something with his curveball. I thought that was the best he's been since – I thought that was the best it's been since since he's been here. Um, I thought the fastball was extremely sharp, down in the zone. 
Uh, looks like he's completely refound his his uh, release point. Uh, when his fastball is down in the zone, uh, you know, and well, not down in the zone, but in the zone and at the top of the zone, um, it's a little bit like Bryce's where it just feels like it can be unhittable at, at times. Um, like you said, I thought Dylan Jacobs was awesome. Um, he pitches a one, two, three, ninth inning. Fastball was 92, 94, um, plus, plus slider um, at 80, 81, I believe it was at. Um, that was what his strikeout came on, seven pitch inning. Um, you know, I know people have asked me why wasn't why hasn't Dylan been throwing more? Um, he just needs some time. He needs to be refined a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I thought he would need to put on some some weight before he started throwing this hard. I always thought he could throw this hard. Um, so it's been really good to see that come around. I think he was 88, 90-ish in the fall and 90, 92-ish in the in the spring before the season. Um, I've always really liked what Jill and Jacobs can bring to this team um, in the future and maybe even a little bit more than this year than I thought. Um, it's just loose. There's a lot of room to add. I think he's going to be – a real, real weapon down the road for this team. I mean, I'm like, I'm as high on Dylan Jacobs as I am on anyone on this roster, really. Um, if there's someone to buy stock for on this roster, for me, it would be Dylan Jacobs. Um, and I also thought it was really good to see Connor Whitaker throw two more innings of scoreless baseball. Um, he's just eating up innings and, and throwing strikes. And um, I think that's exactly what they expected him to be. And it's exactly what he's given them so far. Buy stock now. Are you using a John Rothsteinism? I just is that starting to it's starting to creep. It's more. I mean, it's March. I bought stock in Dylan Jacobs <laughs> on the first time I saw him throw in high school. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot to like. It's just so loose and easy, and the ball kind of pops, and the slider is really good. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what he can be in that bullpen for sure. All right, so overall, good weekend for Florida State, and I think the rankings rewarded the Seminoles again. They move up, and they're top five uh, according to D1 Baseball. Brett, let's spend about five to, to ten minutes here, maybe. I think five is probably more accurate on the loss to Florida. Uh, I think it's always important after the Florida State-Florida game to be able to, since they're in the midweek, take that night, don't try and analyze anything, let the emotion of losing wear off or winning wear off before you come back the next day and, and really talk about it because – I, I tend to believe when you're emotional, you have a tendency to say things that are clouded um, by the heat that, that's swelling over you and not necessarily um, ration, you know, reason and, and rationale and good rationale. So six to three, I think we were both pissed, right? Like, let's, let's be real. Like, you don't like losing to the Gators. That's, that's not fun. I do think it's important to talk about how it's happened. Uh, I think it's also important, Brett, to talk about what it means big picture because there were people making it a bigger deal than, than I think it needed to be. Um, but you lose 6-3 to three in a game that was pretty evenly played all the way throughout. The Gators made a couple of more game-changing plays as the night went along. And... You know, you looked at that home run that was robbed that Logan Lacey thought he had a three-run blast, and the kid climbs the wall, jumps over, grabs it, and Josh Rivera for the Gators hits the three-run home run. That really ends up being – was it a two-run home run? Okay, it hits a two-run home run. Excuse me. And it ends up kind of being the difference of the game and the momentum of the game because other than that, uh, I, I thought both teams played pretty even baseball for most of the night. Yes, yeah, so I have to be honest, I really wasn't – 
that upset about the game leaving there. I was definitely way more upset about other things, but, um, you know, I just think UF made the plays and FSU didn't, and that's just baseball. Um, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with either of these teams' seasons. Um, to be honest, I just thought, you know, Florida was the more experienced team and FSU is a team that's still learning to play with each other. And that's exactly, I mean, that's true. I mean, Florida brought back most of their position players from last year. It's a pretty veteran group with a lot of talented guys in the lineup. I mean, FSU had, what, two freshmen playing last night and three transfers and only one guy that really played all of last year. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's that it's the first game in that real type of environment for this team, I think. And, you know, a lot of away team fans I think there was over 8,000 fans there last night, probably about 70% Florida fans. Um, you know, definitely some things they could have done better. Um, you know, I don't think Florida should have scored on that chopper double down the left field line. Um, Tibbs bobbles it a little bit. took him a while to get there. Um, you know, I think James, ever since he rolled his ankle a little bit and, um, you know, has his ankle taped up that he's struggled a little bit in left field. Um, and, you know, I think Lacey, you know, had a really bad throw on the relay as well. Um, I don't, that run can't score there. Other than that, um, people were acting like FG played awful defensively last night. Um, I don't think the error on Jackson was an error. I, I thought that was a hit. Uh, I mean, he has to make a really good play on that. You know, I know I, a lot of people were upset about the double play that was not turned on Langford that Florida scored a run on. Um, Langford ran a 405 down the line. That's elite. I thought FSU turned that fine. I thought it was a sharp turn. Um, I mean, Langford, it felt like won that game for them single-handedly, even though he was one for five. I mean, he robs them of three runs on that, on the rob, and then he makes the diving catch and foul territory in the next play. Um, you know, end the game also. Halter dives and makes robs Alex of an RBI. So right there alone, Florida robbed you of four runs. Um, you probably gave them two runs. So you just didn't play sharp enough. But overall, I didn't think it was, you know, Florida's way better than Florida State or anything like that. It was just one team played really sharp. The other team probably played not their sharpest. But um, overall, I thought FSU swung the bats well. Um, even though they only scored three, I just think Florida just kept stealing them away from them kind of. I mean, a lot of runners left on base too, though, for Florida State. Guys in scoring position. And we talk about momentum in baseball, Brett, and chances to kind of take a hold of it. And I thought there were – early opportunities for FSU. The first five innings of that game, it felt back and forth, if that makes sense. Like it, it, both teams were getting guys on base. The question was going to be who could get you that big hit to kind of spring everything forward and get your fans into it and, and kind of create that environment and momentum. But uh, I thought Florida State, there was a moment there, I remember, I think it was Jaime and, and James struck out back-to-back, and, and that was a backbreaker. Um, and there was other moments, too. I remember getting guys on base first and second, and you just can't – bring them home. There was another chance. What was the one? They were down, I think, five to two, and they had a chance for a big inning, and all they got out of it was one on a sack fly, and the Gators kind of saw that inning through um, with limiting the damage. It felt like opportunities all night. Yeah, you're going to have to mention the, the robbery of Logan Lacey, right? Like, that's three, run, uh, two, uh, three runs on the board that's gone. You have to talk about how well Florida played defensively, but I did think there were moments where the Knowles did not perform uh, up to their capabilities in this one. Uh, Carson Montgomery was another one I thought was hot and cold. The The two-run homer is going to change a, a lot of things for, for him and his line. But five innings, and, and for the most part, you know, he was battling. Um, did have six strikeouts to just two, two, to just two walks on 
94 pitches. But, Brett, what were your overall thoughts on, on Carson's Florida-Florida State game in Jacks? Yeah, so I'll touch on the offense again just really quick before I talk on Carson. Like you said, like they just couldn't get the timely hit, and that just happens sometimes. Um, but, I mean, I thought Logan and, and B-Rob both had really good games. I thought Colton swung the bat really well. Um, you know, I thought Tibbs was really good outside of the strikeout, you know, with the bases loaded. But, I mean, those are going to happen. Um, and, you know, you, you obviously want to put the ball in play there with Jaime and Tibbs, you know, against the reliever that comes in. Um, but long, when we look at this game long term, I mean, we just talked about how much we like Jaime and what we know and what we think he's going to do for a long time here. So, um, you know, you just trust that next time he gets that opportunity, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make something happen. Um, and I think most of the time we expect him to make something happen there. Um, and, I mean, we were one for ten with runners in scoring position, but if Logan and Alex don't get robbed, you're three for ten, and it's looking different, as we've mentioned a couple times. Um, with Carson, you know, I thought – you know, I know a lot of people were upset that they tried to get him through the fifth. I had no problem with that. Carson's been really good the last three weeks. Um, only had 70, you know, I think he was about 75, 76 um, going into the inning. Um, so I'm fine with that. And it's the bottom of Florida's order. Um, you know, it, it just happened. It happens sometimes. I mean, he threw a really bad cutter to Josh Rivera, and he takes advantage of it. Um, he just got to execute better in that situation. I don't think it's a – he was tired or anything like that. You know, Carson's been up to that many pitches before. He's done it before. He just needs to execute it better. Um, you know, I thought he had some big-time moments, um, big-time strikeouts, I think, in both the third and the fourth, I think, or maybe the second and the fourth um, with a couple of big strikeouts. And I thought it was really good to see Carson show some emotion. Um, you know, that was the first time really I've ever seen Carson show emotion like he did. He's always a – calm cool and collected kid which which is definitely a good thing to have um but i think to see him have those moments is gonna keep growing his confidence obviously he ends up getting the loss but you know sometimes teams get you but you know overall carson's still throwing the ball well i think my one issue with carson is you know that cutter uh sometimes it's just you know it's hard to replicate that cutter over and over again as a college pitcher and they use it a lot, and I think good teams this year have hit Carson hard in, 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 in big moments because of the cutter. Uh, you know, it, it, it can become an easy pitch to hit when it's left over the middle of the zone. Um, you know, it's just a slower fastball at that point. Um, so, you know, I, I just I don't love the, the amount they use it, but, you know, I can understand it because it, it helps him get in the zone more consistently as well. Yeah. Well, Florida State uh, under meat two and two against the Florida Gators. So I know there was some stuff on Twitter about, you know, you know, the Gators dominate the Knolls or something. And it's like, that's, that can't be further from the truth. So then they'll get to play two more times. You get to play in tally and then you get to play again in Gainesville. And can we like, I just need, I'm going to address this like one more time and I'm not addressing it the rest of the season. The shift helps FSU in baseball games. Um, one hit, for Florida against the shift yesterday isn't going to change that for FSU. Um, the shift is taking away hit after hit this year. They've been burned by it a couple times, but overall it helps you more than it doesn't. Um, and you can't stop doing that because one kid gets a hit in the game. You, you, if you're going to do something, you commit to it. And I think they've done a good job of committing to it this year. Um, and I know people think, you know, that Jackson being in the shift is the reason that why they didn't turn a double play there. Um, maybe it is, 
but you don't stop doing it because of that one play. Uh, you can live with that in March, uh, but those repetitions are going to what makes them better. And you know what? Jackson might make that play in June because they're doing it right now. Um, they're not just going to do it when it when the season matters. Um, you know, so I think, you know, this team's still learning, still coming together, still things they can do a lot better, obviously. Um, you know, there's small things that are keeping them, hold, holding them back from getting the job done and winning more and more games. But I think the fact that it's small things and not big things it, it is a bright spot for me. Moving on to the Notre Dame series, Florida State continues a really long homestand, especially on the weekends and uh, ACC play ramping up and the Seminoles at six and three, they get to take on a really, really good Notre Dame team that's coming in. They're top 15, depending on the polls that you look at. And I think for Florida State, this will be the first uh, top opponent of the uh, top 20, top 15 team of the season that's you're going to play a three-game set against, if, if I recall correctly. And it's a Notre Dame team, Brett, who last year was one game shy of making Omaha. They took uh, eventual national champion uh, Mississippi State all the way to the brink. Uh, what a series that was in Starkville. A lot of back-and-forth baseball uh, in the Super Regional there and a great postseason. But there are some names that come back for this Notre Dame team. Obviously, Link Jarrett, former Florida State infielder, is the head coach there, and he's done a wonderful job. But they've got some arms back. And uh, a really, really good lineup that's going to come in and one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, I mean, you just know that Notre Dame's going to play clean baseball and, um, you know, going to take advantage of you if you make mistakes. And they're going to throw strikes and not strike count too much. Um, you know, 988 fielding percentage this year, um, 304 team average, 3.4 um, ERA, and 206 average against. Um, but Notre Dame has lost four ECC games in a row. Um, their only real wins this year over N NC State, two games over NC State, and FSU's already beaten NC State twice. Um, so I'm interested to see um, how Notre Dame responds to those last four ACC games. But, um, you know, they only got to play one one game last weekend because of weather at Virginia – I don't – I believe it was at Virginia Tech. Uh, I want to say it was supposed to be at home. Okay. So yeah, they yeah. Didn't, get, get, didn't get to finish out that series – um, so I haven't played a weekend, you know, a full weekend series um, in a couple weeks. Um, but like I said, you, you, FSU can't play games the, the way they've played the last two games against against Notre Dame, where it's going to be really hard to beat a team like that, where you just know they're going to play solid baseball. Um, but you know, at the same time, I think FSU can out talent uh, Notre Dame uh, like they did last year. It felt like. Yeah, you know, I think last year Florida State winning two out of three, it was impressive, and it was one of the high points of the year for the Knowles. And, Brett, when the Knowles started to make that run towards the end and um, people started talking about the Seminoles as a potential regional host, uh, it was because I think one of the, the feathers in your cap were going to Notre Dame and winning that game. They pitched really well that weekend, though. I remember that for Florida State, and you're going to have to do that again here this weekend against a, a really talented lineup that – um, Brett, when we look at LaMana and Putts and uh, guys who came back like Brannigan and Ryan Cole, who, who has a lot of pop in his bat, uh, Brooks Coetzee uh, hitting six home runs on the year is their best power bat on the season. Um, this FSU team is going to be put to the test because it's a Notre Dame team who, much like Duke, is not going to strike out a lot. Yeah, and these are, these are guys that have mostly all seen Bryce and Parker as well. Um, you know, I think they brought back basically everyone besides Cavadas with – who was like their Matt Nelson. Um, but, you know, they brought back a lot of veteran guys that can do a lot of different things. 
Um, you know, I think that's the reason why, you know, their fielding percentage is still so good this year the way it is and why the average is still the way it is. Um, you know, last year Bryce gave up two runs in five innings and struck out five. Uh, Parker only gave up one run in six innings um, and struck out eight. Uh, so both, you know, quality outings for those two guys against them last year. Um, interested to see, you know, the adjustments Notre Dame makes to the adjustments that Parker and Bryce have had in their, in their arsenals since then. Um, but, you know, they have had a look at them and, and, and you know, the, their wind-ups and everything, uh, how the ball comes out of their hands. Um, so I think it will be a good test for, for, for uh, Parker and Bryce uh, against a team that's experienced against them. And then I think it will be a really good test to see if Ross can bounce back after his, you know, his first real clunker of the season last weekend. Yeah, uh, 304 as a team for Notre Dame and 988 um, fielding percentage is pretty impressive. So team who hits, a team who fields, and on the mound, they've been a little bit better, I think, than some people thought they would be. A really good bullpen this season that has been relied upon at times, but uh, John Michael Bertrand, Austin Temple, the transfer from JU, and Aiden Tyrell, two of those three names, so actually all three names Florida State's familiar with. Yeah, um, so in the weekend rotation, like you said, Bertrand and Tyrell, um, they were both there last year. Austin Temple is a JU transfer, I believe, has thrown against Florida State before. Um, Bertrand last year was had the most success against Florida State. Uh, I think he threw seven scoreless innings. Uh, he's a guy, lefty, that throws about 85, 87 with the fastball, but just he just dominates you with you know a bunch of different off-speed pitches and the ability to put pitches wherever he wants, a little bit like a left-handed Greg Maddox. Uh, you know, obviously not that good, but just in, in the college way where he can put anything where he wants and makes it difficult for, for hitters to know what's going to come to them at, at any point in any count. Um, Aiden Tyrell, 4.15 ERA. Uh, he was also there last year. Another lefty. FSU did have, did have success first him last year. Uh, scored three runs and had five hits and one and a third. Um, he was a bullpen guy for them last year, but now he's um, in the weekend rotation. Um, made five starts so far this year. Uh, 274 average against. He's the starter that's you know, got given up the most damage so far. Um, Austin Temple, the JU transfer, is right-handed pitcher. Um, he struck out 34 batters in 26 innings. Um, really didn't throw much last year um, due to injury. Uh, in the bullpen, Raul and McClinsky are the two guys, like you mentioned, I think. Uh, both those guys have, have really good stuff from the right side. Um, McClinsky, I believe, is a Seton Hall transfer, I want to say, um, with 24 Ks and 14 innings. Uh, Raul has 15 Ks in 10 innings. Uh, he did make a start last year on Sunday against Florida State. I think it was a spot start for them. I believe they were down a midweek a weekend starter. Um, he gave up three runs in, in three innings, but that was mostly off walks. Walked three guys. Um, you know, still struggles a bit with the command. I believe this year with eight walks and in, in ten innings. Um, so interested to see how FSU works at bats against him if he's in the game late. Yeah, so decent bullpen, three four zero staff ERA, batters just hitting two oh six against Notre Dame's pitching staff, uh, a team that doesn't walk a lot of guys. I think their rotation has a combined 26 walks, uh, actually 24 walks, excuse me. My math, not so good. Um, Bertrand, Tyrell, Temple, a couple lefties, and a righty, and so Florida State will have its work cut out for it. I think it's a series, Brett, that the Knowles – you're ha- you're gonna have to play well, right? Like you're not gonna be able to sleepwalk through games. At times, I-, I would really like Florida State 
from Friday night to kind of see that that energy and the tone set from the get-go. I expect Parker to come out and do that uh, for Florida State, but uh, give me something you're really looking forward to watching this weekend. I think just the fielding overall. I still think Florida State's fine defensively, um, but they need to start fine-tuning some things. They need to start playing sharper. Um, they need to play the way they played in that three-game stretch with UCF in the first two against Duke. Um, it really felt like the team was starting to find their footing in, in those games, and the guys were starting to fulfill their roles the way that the, you know, the coaching staff wants them to. Uh, if FSU can play like that this weekend, um, you know, it's hard to think Notre Dame would beat them or really many teams in the country. And that's the team that is the number five team. Um, and that's a team that I think this team should be. Um, but, you know, if they do, don't do play sharp, um, Notre Dame's a team that's going to take advantage of you 10 out of 10 times. So you've, you've got to be up to the task this weekend. You've got to be ready to play. Um, you've got to bring the energy from first pitch, like you said. Um, and, you know, you know, Link Jarrett's going to be motivated to try to come here and get a, get a series W. Yeah, I've watched some Notre Dame games this season, and they seem like they're a team you can't really ever count out. Right, like if they're down four runs in the seventh or eighth, it's not over necessarily because that's a team that's been through the rigors of a postseason, and they play with a, a level of confidence, I think, and uh, if moxie is the right word uh, for it, they, they have they've got a little bit of that it factor um, within that roster and that dugout. So I wouldn't just say they're going away, and it's a winning program under Link Jarrett. No other way to put it. They play with a lot of confidence because they've succeeded a lot under Link. It is a weird season for them so far. They've only played eighteen games. 13 and 5 on the year 2 and 4 in the ACC. They've had a lot of cancellations. I think, you know, I'm, I'm looking through their schedule now. They had one early in the year canceled due to weather. One game at NC State was rained out. Uh, they did win two out of the, the two games that they played against NC State. They got swept at Louisville, which is the one harsh mark of the season for them. Um and then they had a a game postponed against North, Northwestern after Northwestern's bus driver um, I guess, or the bus company refused or didn't have a bus available to drive to South Bend from, uh, I guess, Northwestern's in the Chicago area. So then the two games against Virginia Tech last weekend canceled as well due to snow. So uh, it's a team that's only played, I'm trying to see, two games is, since March 23rd. Since March 20th, they've only played two games. So you're talking two games in 10 days. Uh, so not a lot of baseball for Notre Dame uh, this season. They've only played 18 total. And um, I think it's hard to know for sure what you got when you haven't played enough. But, uh, Brett, I think I'm looking to see how Ross Dunn bounces back, too. I, I expect this to actually go down to a rubber match. I, I do believe we're going to have a, a Game 3 uh, Sunday that means something for the series. So uh, I'm excited to see how Ross does. Other than that, I want to see how the lineup continues to evolve. And uh, let's see if Brett Roberts breaks out of the funk altogether. The, yeah, this might come back to bite me, but I really like this matchup for Florida State for some reason. Um, you know, I think Florida State does well against left-handed pitchers, and you got two coming in this weekend. I think FSU six and zero so far against the lefties. Um, you know, you struggled last year against Bertrand, but I think you know this team will have a better game plan this year after facing him last year for him. Um, you know, you, you're not going to get beat by the fastball with him. So, um, you know, interested to see you know the kind of approach they take, how aggressive they are in the fastball versus you know how much they're waiting out the off-speed stuff. Um, you know, this might sound really dumb, but I think this might be a weekend that Florida State can get it, get that second sweep. I just, I, for some reason, I've got confidence that they're going to bounce back from the Florida win. Um, you know, if they do play really, you know, if they don't play sharp again on Friday, though, um, you know, I think 
Notre Dame's a team that can make things snowball snowball on you in a hurry. All right, so let's see if the Knowles can snap that two-game losing streak that they're, they're on right now. And uh, 7 o'clock Friday, 2 o'clock on Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Hopefully weather is good all weekend in Tallahassee. You got Messick, Hubbard, Dunn going for the Knowles again this weekend. And uh, until we talk to you next week, please go ahead uh, and give us five stars if you can on Apple Pods. We're on Spotify as well, Google Pods, and wherever else you love to listen to your podcasts. Appreciate you guys sharing our podcast, and we'll look forward to your questions. Uh, until next week, for Brett, I'm Mario. We'll talk to you soon.